Thank you for listening in right now. Glad to have you here. My name is Nyla, and this is Greener Thoughts. I help you understand the environment today so you can experience a greener life. Let's connect online. You can reach Greener Thoughts by voice message. The anchor.fm link is in each episode's show notes. You can do so via the Anchor app or by email at greenerthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. everybody there aren't any episode announcements for this podcast episode so i'm going to just jump into the next segment up which is headlines from the hemispheres as you know or if you're new to the greener thoughts program it's where i cover all types of different environmental news headlines all across the globe the first one is about global warming in scientists and recently they have uncovered a few different um, important concerns regarding global warming and that it's um, in our best interest to get this under control so that we can get our emissions to zero. Many scientists now say global warming could stop relatively quickly after emissions go to zero. So InsideClimateNews.org had a bit more on the story and this is where I picked up the headline. And Greenland and a few other countries are the center uh, of this article. So one of the main concerns is La Nina. And I have talked about La Nina, the whole process, um, in a previous podcast episode. But it's recognized as when there are cooler air temperatures that are way below the average sea surface temperature and these are spread across a large part of the tropical pacific and then during the warm el nino phase which happens every few years it's quite the opposite and so um, usually that's when global temperatures spike to new records and you've seen that uh, most recently in the year 2016 for example Another issue that has to be resolved is the polar breakdown. That is the warming of the Arctic and Antarctic um, uh, areas. And where they continue to accelerate, um, it's going to be a real problem um, as far as what scientists say. So the warming of the polar regions, they really do do a number on uh, disrupting uh, global climate patterns in many different ways, as you've seen maybe in extreme drought patterns, floods increasing, extreme heat wave events over many parts of the U.S. and other parts of the world, and changes in climate regulating ocean currents. And then lastly, rising sea levels. That's a main concern. No one can really stop talking about how rising sea level concerns um, are getting. And so um, there are many different um, things that we can, I think, try and focus on. But with sea level rises, um, sea sea levels rising, um, one of the best scenarios that um, we can get ahead of ourselves is reaching the the Paris climate goals and capping global warming at 3.6 degrees Fahrenheit. And that will allow sea level to um, uh, rise um, between one and two feet by 2100. Um, That's the warning. So we have to kind of get um, you know, at that target or below that target, according to the IPCC or the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. They warned this in their 2019 global assessment. So how we're going to stop, um, you know, these major events from taking over um, and increasing, um, you know, global warming in the next few years, we have to worry about the uh, stopping of greenhouse gas emissions and that will, you know, really break the cycle um, of warming. And we have to also worry about melting ice, um, you know, uh, wildfires and uh, rising uh, levels of our seas, um, you know, even more than before. Next is some uh, new information about aerosols and research surrounding that. 
new online coupled aerosol climate model to better understand aerosols climate effects. So ENN.com had this news, Environmental News Network, and Japan and China both collaborated um, with their different schools um, to publish this research. So atmospheric aerosols are not necessarily a thing of the past because we have learned about their effects on our climate, our environment, and of course our health. But there isn't really a, a full comprehensive understanding about uh, aerosol clouds and the mechanisms. So um, there's really a sort of ambiguity, um, uncertainty um, about their environmental effects um, and how anthropogenic um, aerosol is. So recently, the Institute of Atmospheric Physics, or IAP, and the Chinese Academy of Sciences, the National Institute for Environmental Study of Japan, and Kyoshu University and the Japan Aeros uh, Aerospace Exploration Agency, they all banded together to create an aerosol module named the SPRINTARS uh, into a global coupled climate model, which is known as the CAS F Goals uh, F3. So uh, there were two researchers that kind of stood out. Um, one is named Dai, last name Dai, and his uh, PhD student, uh, Wang Ho, uh, Hao, um, they compared uh, the model that was simulated and, and those results with the uh, ground and multi-source uh, satellite observations. And they found a particular a new finding that the new coupled model could reasonably reproduce the spatial distributions of the global uh, aerosol surface mass concentrations and the associated optical properties. So more of their work um, is, of course, published and researched, um, and definitely. But their work, if you do want to uh, look more into it, it was supported by the National Science, National uh, Natural uh, Science Funds of China, the Youth Innovation Promotion Association, uh, CAS, the Strategic Priority Research Program of the Chinese Academy of Sciences, and the National Key R&D Program of China. And then last but not least is a uh, update about um, one of the positions that um, Biden was able to fill within his cabinet. Um, so we're going to learn a little bit more about that. So Biden considering a lawyer who defended big oil in climate suits uh, for solicitor general. The Post had this news in the environment section. And this is out of the U.S., yes, uh, this is uh, definitely about an older um, choice for um, the Solicitor General, but that has since updated, so that's why I am I'm bringing this up to you now. So in the earlier days of the presidential inauguration, Biden was considering a corporate lawyer who has defended Royal Dutch Shell in the past against climate liability lawsuits to then serve as the Solicitor General for um, his administration's top legal um, advocate. And so he would, uh, the Solicitor General argues cases before the U.S. Supreme Court, um, according to those uh, uh, sources who know a little bit more about the process. So those who were opposing um, his pick, um, definitely they did not advocate for him um, because of his recent work defending Shell and that um, they argued that, um, you know, he's had experience arguing lawsuits, um, you know, for oil companies. And that's um, really big because um, those who are against climate change, they, you know, say that he has no legal standing or grounds uh, for being in the running for a solicitor general. So he should be disqualified. And he essentially was. Um, so, uh, you know, with that, um, there is a new Solicitor General and they have been um, running as of August 2021. So, you know, no worries. The new Solicitor General of the U.S. is Brian Fletcher.
So I think one of the funnest reasons to uh, talk about this topic in palm trees is because these are some mysterious, I think, trees uh, to some degree. Like, if you don't live in a beachy area or an area where you have a lot of sun or sun exposure, or maybe near the ocean, um, or in an area where there's a lot of open water, um, then in, or living in a tropical or um, sort of temperate um, area where it's like medium weather, um, it's not too cold, not too hot, then you're not really going to have a lot of exposure to palm trees. That doesn't mean you can't learn a little bit about palm trees and this plant that is useful to a lot of different people um, and, you know, could sustain your livelihood because palm trees, there are many different types and kinds. Um, I even learned uh, a few facts researching the topic. And so we're going to dive into it. And Tree Hugger is where um, a lot of this info was captured. And I love uh, Tree Hugger using as a source. And so I'm going to start um, up now. And we're going to learn about the plenty of palm facts that you should know. And the first one being that there are over 2,500 species of palm trees. Yes, that is a lot of palm trees. And they are in a particular family of plants all by themselves. Um, the Ari Kasei uh, and uh, the Ari Kasei, and uh, it is a, a wonderfully diverse family of uh, plants, and they're seen throughout the world. And you can see them from uh, every place, like a desert to even a rainforest. Um, and this, uh, you know, type of um, uh, R-E-K, say a, um, is a um, really diverse um, family. And no two plants essentially are the same. All of them are very different in, in their composition, their height, the fruit that they bear, leaves, just so many different species, colors. It's, it's amazing on the different types of uh, plants that make up um, this whole species, um, that range of palm trees. Number two fact is that not all palm trees are trees and not all plants called palms are really palms. Yes, that may be a, a totally unknown fact to you, but yes, even evergreen plants uh, that can grow uh, different types of shrubs or trees that are long or ones that have uh, uh, woody vines, they're called uh, lianas. And there are other plants like the yucca palm um, or even the torba palm or torbay palm um, or even the, the sago palm and traveler's palm. Those are not even part of the um, R-E-K-C-A uh, family. Those are different. So all different types of uh, palms you can uh, see and distinguish uh, based on so many different characteristics. Number three is that uh, palm trees have two different types of leaves. One is palmate and the other is pinnate. You may have heard the uh, wording palmate um, and that is like a, um, a the, it describes the type of leaf. Um, but you may have seen it in the wording of palm oil or derivatives from palm oil. Um, so um, palmate leaves, like hands, they grow in a bunch at the end of the stem. And pinnate leaves, they are like feathers and they grow all along either uh, side of a stem. Number four fact is that palm trees are important religious symbols. Um, those who uh, are frequent to read religious text may be familiar, depending on your major world religion or lack thereof, that yes, palm trees are recognizable um, in several different uh, ancient religious texts, um, such as in the Bible. Uh, the people of Jerusalem, they greeted a uh, the triumphant Jesus, or Yeshua, um, just one week before his death and resurrection. And that's known as a tradition celebrated as Palm Sunday, the week before Easter. And palms are even mentioned dozens of times in both the Bible and in uh, the Quran. And in Judaism, 
palms represent peace and uh, plenty. Number five is that uh, many key essential items come from palm trees, which is a, a great fact to know. Like I said before, uh, many different uh, fruits are, um, are, are ones that grow from palm trees, such as coconuts, for example. They're an obvious product from palm trees, but also dates and patel nuts and acai fruit. Those also come from palm trees. And also palm oil. Um, like I did mention before, it comes from the fruit of the um, oil of the palm tree. So palm um, and its products are pretty plentiful in different ways amongst uh, palm trees and from palm trees. Number six fact is that palms grow best in USDA zones 8 through 10. So the palm trees that do grow in the U.S., there are specific zones throughout the USDA map that I found online, and um, it's really um, packed full of information, and it's pretty um, thorough, and it really expands all across the U.S., but, um, you know, this really means that states, even outside of your bright and sunny California um, in Florida, these uh, states... You know, like the upper northwest of the U.S., places like northern, even northern uh, California, Utah, um, uh, Nevada, those places in the west, or even uh, southwestern states like Arizona, um, New Mexico, Colorado, southern states like Texas, Louisiana, Alabama, Georgia, uh, Arkansas, Florida. Even other states like other southern states like North Carolina and South Carolina, and even the southern tip of uh, Virginia, those are places where palms grow best. And for all those who want to view the map or even uh, peruse the site and check it out, I'll link the site in the show notes so you can check out the uh, different um, plant. Um, plants and their hardiness is what it's called. It's the plant hardiness uh, map of the USDA. So again, I'll link it in the show notes for all those who are interested in checking it out. Number seven fact is that the tallest palm tree can grow up to 197 feet tall. The Quindio wax palm, Colombia's national tree, is the tallest growing species of palm. Number eight fact is that the Coco de Mer palm tree has the largest seeds of any plant on earth. These seeds are immense and they can get as large as 20 inches in diameter and as heavy as 66 pounds. 66 pounds is huge. That's the weight of, you know, a, you know, medium sized child Um, or, you know, a heavy weight. Um, you know, a couple packages, you know, depending on the size of the packages, you know, you may get from time to time online. Um, so that's a, a huge weight. And, and, and again, that's the size of a seed pod from the Coco de Mar uh, palm tree. Number nine fact is that palm trees have a history uh, with humans as old as the first societies. So palm trees have a long history to them. Um, they've been uh, seen, as far as archaeologists, they've shown that um, the date palm was used uh, more commonly in Mesopotamian society for food and other types of purposes, and that even the Romans, they gave palm branches as a symbol of triumph uh, to the triumphant champions of games and wars. And then last but not least, number 10 fact is that palm wine is an alcoholic spirit and it originates in different parts of Africa and Asia. And it's known to many in those parts as Kalu or different variations depending on their language. And it's created from coconut palms, date palms, and there's also the uh, Chilean wine palm and there are other species too where uh, palm wine uh, is made from. So now that we've learned a bit more about palm trees and the many different kinds that are out there and the different species that um, are out there as well, some of the rare ones and how big that they can get, you know, 
Um, you would think that there's, you know, nothing bad to say about the palm tree or even palm oil specifically. Um, but there is, you know, so there is just so much, um, that comes with, um, harvesting, um, palm trees to the extent that you sure they may be plentiful, they may be sturdy, they may be durable, they may withstand so much. There are thousands of different species, again, 2,500 or so more. But again, um, with um, about 100 um, different species of animals that are endangered, um, you know, due to um, their farming, um, it's really unsustainable. Um, you know, there are um, different species of even palms themselves that have all, almost been ran into the ground because of deforestation and uh, unsustainable cultivation practices. So not only are um, animals feeling the brunt of deforestation and cultivation at a mass rate because of the want and desire for palm oil and the fruits of palm oil, but the palm trees themselves, um, about 100 or so different species of palm trees are being endangered. So that means they're never going to grow again. Um, it's fine for, for palm trees to exist in their, their native um, arid um, or you know um, wet climates, depending on the palm tree, but it's not great for us to destroy them to the point where there's no bounce back and you know they are um, cut down at such a rate that they can't sustain themselves. Even plants deserve, um, plants and trees um, deserve to um, you know, be um, on the planet and to not be chopped down. It's okay for them to just stay as they are um, because that's how they um, are naturally without human influence and behaviors and actions to sort of get rid of um, the, the different palm trees themselves. Um, so yes, even trees can be wiped off the map or the, the earth literally um, to a point of um, extinction or um, you know being um, just completely almost deserted, um, and, and left, which, you know, no trees can really, you know, repopulate essentially, um, because it takes growing for that to happen. But if there's no, um, rate of replenishment, like if a tree isn't, um, uh, grown from scratch, um, from a little pod, um, after, you know, one has been cut down a tree for a tree, then there's no um, sustaining of the tree population of those palms. Um, so, um, you know, even one of the rarest palm trees, the um, high fro bee, um, Amari caulis, uh, it's super rare and there's only one currently left that lives in the botanic gardens of um, Curipipe um, in Mauritius. Uh, um, yeah, Mauritius. Mauritius. I'm probably mispronouncing the country, even though I probably have said it a few times before in the past. But, you know, that just shows you that palm trees, depending on the species, again, more than 100 are endangered because of human activity, because of deforestation and trying to cultivate unsustainable uh, farming practices. So that's an issue. You know, um, another issue with um, palm oil and, you know, some of the different fruits of palms is that humans are basically um, and essentially using those fruits for everything under the sun. And I'll get to that a little bit later in the Mother Earth Minutes. The different items and products that you can find palm oil in, either unknowingly or knowingly. And because palm oil has different derivatives and names um, that it goes under, sometimes it's hard to discuss distinguish uh, what it's called and why it's even there. But most of the times, most of the time, um, you know, palm oil, um, depending on the species, but um, some of the common um, uh, ways that you could see palm oil are in like foods, uh, um, foods, um, fast food, uh, foods, for example, or cosmetics, but it is a um, orange, sometimes um, uh liquidy, somewhat thick liquid, and it's a, a thick um, oil that's come from the palm oil kernel. So if you ever see a sort of um, medium, a sort of darkish 
uh, orange tint to an oil and someone's trying to sell you that by the bottle and it seems, you know, so also plentiful or maybe like you're getting a, a deal. It could be palm oil and they could be, you know, selling you palm oil, um, which they shouldn't um, because of um, how devastating it is um, to cultivate. Um, so, you know, what are organizations doing about this? Well, there's a few organizations that have a lot to say on this. One of them being World Wildlife Fund. And they um, really want and are um, creating systems to hold companies accountable um, so that these companies can um, adhere to the robust standards um, of responsible production if they are creating um palm oil. Um, you know, you want companies to trade amicably and to consume um, uh, only what's needed and they require the suppliers adhere to strict standards and are credible in the tracing of their palm oil to responsible sources. You know, not making artificial palm oil or creating a black market for palm oil, for example. There's other things that companies can do if, if, not just totally stop creating a market for palm oil. Um, also, consumers, um, you know, like us and NGOs, they can keep businesses and governments accountable as well. Um, so more on this topic, I did a related podcast episode. Um, it's almost explicitly about palm oil and coconut oil, and it's entitled The Environmental Impact of Palm Oil and Coconut Oil. And the uh, many uh, useful alternatives to those. And I did that back uh, on August 30th, 2020. And that's episode 185. The Mother Earth Minutes is where we review, in the next few minutes, proactive things that we can all do to combat the issue in the episode and to, as always, protect Mother Earth. So now that we've learned about some of the uh, ways that palm oil is destructive and the many different kinds of palm oil um, that um, is out there and the uh, trees of which there are thousands of different species, again 2,500 plus, um, we can learn a little bit about uh, you know why um, in different examples why palm oil is dangerous and a few different key resources that are pretty cool um, that I found where we can find a bit more about how to keep track of where it's being harvested, where to um, check out ways to not even be a part of the destruction um, of the harvesting of palm oil and how to be a better consumer overall when it comes to um, checking out uh, different products or even services that happen to deal um, with palm oil. Like it's it's great to be informed and this is you know kind of fun because um, you know a lot of these tips are applicable. So um, one of the first uh, ways is to uh, look at the many different uh, ways that palm oil is un um, unproductive. It's 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 best to avoid. So these are tips, and these are in letter form, and then there are um, in total four different tips. So um, with this section, uh, one of the first things to recognize is that, uh, A, the most common name that palm oil is disguised under is vegetable oil. Like I've said, that palm oil comes in many names, derivative kinds, and sometimes you'll see it just, you know, as vegetable oil. But what is vegetable oil? You know, we don't, in the U.S. at least, you know, from my recollection, there is not a harvesting of fruits and vegetables, or fruits in this case, where we use the oil and extract those and, you know, use it for frying purposes. You know, usually nine times out of ten, one of the ingredients of the vegetable oil is soybean oil, which technically is a vegetable, but that's beside the point. B is that most prepackaged snack foods made by corporate giants like Nestle, Unilever, etc., they contain palm oil. Yes, that means your soaps, that means your chocolate, that means your snacks. It, in some way, is or may contain palm oil. 
see as far as the tips is that if a product's saturated fat content makes up more than 40% of its total fat content, it will almost always certainly contain palm oil. D is that ingredients with the word palm in them are palm oil or are derived from the oil of the palm fruit. So not so fun. E is that if you're not sure whether a product contains palm oil, either type the product name into your search engine along with palm oil and scan the search results and you can also contact the company directly and ask if uh, they use palm oil in their products. And then F, as part of the tips to look out for, is to avoid uh, palm oil entirely, which is a good thing. You can choose products that contain clearly labeled oils, such as 100% sunflower oil, or corn oil, or olive oil, coconut oil, or even canola oil. Um, number two step that you can do is to check out the palm oil scorecard. And you can find out more information about it on the web at palmoilscorecard.panda.org. And you can check the scores of how palm oil is rated. So it is in an effort to promote sustainable palm oil in different major markets and raising consumer awareness about the need for having and buying sustainably produced palm oil. And it's sort of a advanced tool and you can use it for supply chain transparency, traceability to make important decisions about your shopping habits. Um, and so that's one important thing that you can um, you know, look at and share with others. Again, you could do all of this through the Palm Oil Buyers Scorecard. Again, at palmoilscorecard.panda.org. I have that website bookmarked and readily available. Number three tip is that you can avoid palm oil in common everyday foods. Now this can be uh, seemingly pretty easy. Like I said before, palm oil, you'll find it in tons of processed foods. It's insane. Um, you'll find it in everything from chocolate, cookies, ice cream, margarine. It's not even uh, margarine. I even I don't even like margarine, but the fact that it's in margarine, margarine is gross. You know, granola bars, candy, chips, um, crackers, pastries, frozen pizza. Um, when buying any of those products, you want to take a second look to see on even the back of the product if it has any um, palm oil um, or its um, other names of palm oil, its derivatives. Um, anything similar to palm oil, uh, even in appearance, um, because you know you want to make sure that um, you know you're you know, making a, 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 the best choice that you can, and um, outsmarting the companies that think that they can hide palm oil in plain sight or even secretly in the ingredients of those foods. Um, palm oil has even gained popularity in bath and beauty products like soaps and cleansers, so you also want to um, worry about those as well. Again, looking for palm or palmitate um, or any sort of name that palm oil can sometimes go by. And then lastly, number four is to get the app. Yes, there's a cool phone app um, called Pebble, P-E-B-B-L-E. And I'll also link that website in the show notes in the description of this podcast episode so you can check it out. And it's a palm oil detecting app, which makes it super easy to see whether your favorite products contain non-sustainable palm oil. fact of the day is that at least 14 countries have now given legal rights to rivers and other ecosystems. That fact was found and sourced from the Sierra Club Sierra Magazine in the January-February 2021 issue. So we've come to the Eco Company Spotlight. It is the part of the Green Advice program where I highlight amazing companies, environmentally related uh, products and services that they have, and how you can make the best decision uh, given the information and research about the company that I uh, provide. 
a little bit of the background and my review of their product or service so that you can make a great decision about whether to support the company and if it aligns with you and meets your needs and it's really really capturing all that you need to learn about and maybe you explore a bit more about it um a lot of the products vary um i've covered everything from clothing snacks uh, phone apps um and just so many different things um and you know beauty products makeup um and i love it it's one of my favorite sections and segments of the Greater Thoughts podcast. And so, um, you know, I do love it and it's so fun. And, you know, if you have any ideas about a environmental company um, that I haven't even checked out yet because there are thousands out there, let me know. I love emails and voice messages and I'll definitely feature it on the uh, program. And by way of uh, email, uh, the email address is creativethoughtspodcast at gmail.com. And uh, through the Anchor app, you can send a voice message or via your desktop computer and going to anchor.fm forward slash creativethoughtspodcast and checking out the uh, recording message feature where you can send me a voice message that way. So I want to introduce to you um, one of the many companies I've been doing this again for a while now, since um, February uh, 2019, and I always learn something new um, about each company a little bit more, um, even you know past checking out their products and using them. Um, and if I haven't been able to, for example, use their product or service, I'll definitely let you know and um, you know, put that out there. But one of the latest companies, one of the ones I love um, for my laundry needs as of recently is called uh, Meliora. And so uh, Meliora is a beautiful name um, of a word that means better. And it's spelled M-E-L-I-O-R-A. And they uh, make amazing people-friendly and planet-friendly products. Um, that are in the home cleaning and laundry type of categories. So since May 2013, um, Kate and Mike, they are a um, co-founder couple and they are the co-founders of Miliora. So they started um, the company when Kate was studying for her master's degree in environmental engineering and she really struggled to understand and figure out the ingredients that were in everyday household cleaning products like laundry detergent. Sounds simple and it really is. You know, it's all from an inquisitive nature and wanting to learn a little bit more is how Meliora started. So she wanted to make sure the ingredients were safe and that she was using them for her household and they were um, safe for the environment as well. And so, you know, the ingredients, um, that she found they felt like they weren't she felt like they weren't safe really and so she wanted to be a more responsible and informed consumer and she wanted to look for clear ingredients that wouldn't do harm at all and that were effective and she started formulating her very own vegetable soap and using it on her own laundry and then uh, from doing this she knew that she could create better um, products that were rooted in simple ingredients and so she and her husband built a company around this, and that's how these honest and tried and true amazing products were born and continue to be made uh, as of currently. So as far as their commitment to sustainability, Miliora is amazing in so many different points. The first one is that they're B Corp certified. I love looking for environmental certifications, either if they're foreign environmental certifications, like if a company is from you know, another place like Germany, for example, like for the uh, tooth tabs, I went ahead and um, talked about their certifications. But B Corp certification is like top notch. Um, it's really important and it, it's really about transparency and accountability on all fronts, social, um, dealing with people and the environment and the economy. So it all is synced up together and there are really stringent uh, requirements for being a B Corp. Um, number two is that they are also Leaping Bunny certified, so they are no cruelty uh, as far as um, regarding animals, um, and they are certified Leaping Bunny. 
Uh, number three is that they are 1% for the planet member. That means that they give 1% of their um, monies earned from their products to environmental charities, organizations, and groups. Uh, number four is that they have compostable, reusable, and or biodegradable packaging, which is amazing. I gotta tell you about their tin, their steel uh, tin um, that is great and the many benefits of that a little bit later, but it's amazing how a company, there's so many different um, uh, ways that they've uh, measured their, their packaging output and the environmental um, positivity um, of it being compostable, reusable, biodegradable. I love that when a company does that because um, sometimes uh, packaging can be missed as far as it being uh, considered, um, as far as something to be, to be taken seriously. Some companies, they just don't factor in packaging, but Miliora does. And number five is that they use ingredients that are made safe and they even have a uh, um, different protocol about that specifically going through an organization which you can see more on their site number six is that they have um, zero single-use plastic products so none of the products that they have and make uh, come in single-use plastic number seven is that they publish their sustainability reports annually and they have done that since 2019 and then lastly number eight is that they have biodegradable and also eco-friendly ingredients and transparency across their company. And for more on their ingredients, please visit Meliora Means Better. That's M-E-L-I-O-R-A MeansBetter.com and then go to the ingredients tab at the top of the website. As far as the product selection, there are a few different products that Meliora has. They have their home cleaning products. They have the bar dish soap, which I have, and uh, they have an empty, uh, different empty types of uh, glass bottles that you can have. They have the uh, oxygen brightener, the cleaning scrub, the repurposed diaper racks, and a sprayer. For their laundry products, they have laundry powder. They have a laundry stain stick, an oxygen brightener, and a stainless steel scoop. And they also have uh, gift cards. And for bar soap, they have many different kinds. They've got lavender, lemongrass, one of my favorite scents ever, peppermint, unscented uh, bar soap. They have tea tree, and they also have a pack of zero waste bath and body soap bars that come in a six pack. So my experience of Meliora cleaning products has been an amazing one, uh, mainly because of uh, the uh, different products I've bought from there. And this is part of the um, Earth Hero uh, purchase I made and um, I have bought the um, laundry powder and the thick uh, dish soap so uh, both of those give re really great results uh, specifically uh, regarding Earth Hero I you know bought $130.17 worth of um, products from there uh, not specifically um, all Meliora products, but different ones, and it was part of the shipment. And I went to search on EarthHero.com when it's one of the best um, places for environmental products. Period. Um, and I have done the Eagle Company Spotlight about Earth Hero, but I wanted a different laundry powder um, that was great for laundry stripping. And so, you know, I learned about laundry stripping months back. I talked about it in an in the podcast episode not too long ago. And I decided to use laundry powder um, and some other um, really great um, choices. Drops, um, their um, pods, for example, um, in my cleaning. And um, I really love the results. And I also love the results of the dish soap that Miliori has as well. So the price of their products are really reasonable. The dish soap is really great pricing. You know, not more than $10, $12 or so probably less than that um, and the price of the uh, laundry powder is about $17 and that's for 35 ounces and that does about 128 uh, high efficiency loads HE loads or 64 standard loads so you know you have you know depending on if you wash your laundry 
you know, once a week, that'll get you, um, you know, almost, um, well, almost three years worth um, of um, laundry that needs taken care of. Um, and if, if you don't have a um, 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 high efficiency uh, um, 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 laundry loader, washer, then, you know, you have your 64 standard loads that you can uh, do, which will, uh, the powder, you know, should last you maybe a little bit more than a year if you don't have, you know, a high efficiency loader, which is okay. Um, it does dissolve quickly. There's no weird clumping. Um, as, as long as you, you know, have it in, you know, a large vat of water where you can soak your clothes. If you want to soak your clothes and want to get stains out, um, I love how uh, reusable and repurposable the packaging is, um, especially if you're buying the steel and cardboard laundry power, power uh, powder products. Now, um, there's probably other reusable packaging for their other products, but specifically, you know, I've used their laundry powder and their soap. Love it. It's completely biodegradable, safe for you, your pets, your family. Um, you know, I didn't um, see any... Um, allergy concerns. I'm not allergic to uh, basically anything, so I don't really have any uh, allergy concerns, but I do love that they have eco-friendly ingredients, readable ingredients, understandable ingredients. A little goes a long way. A little goes a long way. Like I said, this powder, if you if you use it, you know, and wash your clothes maybe once a week, of course it'll last you almost three years. But if you, if you um, depending on um, your uh, usage of um, your laundry and how often you wash your clothes you know it could last you um you know longer or shorter depending on the frequency of how often you wash your clothes and and if you use powder with it or not or soaking your clothes because sometimes you could soak separate clothes and then wash the others regularly so it all depends on you um it does efficiently clean my clothes there wasn't any weird residue um it was a clean fresh scent i loved it and, you know, I used it with the, uh, the first time uh, laundry stripping. And, you know, recently I had amazing results. I took pictures. I'm so enthused. I will definitely be laundry stripping every year. But um, I, I, I had a really great time with it. Um, it does take some getting used to, especially if you um, have the water either drain um, before the 6 to 12 hours that you may have your clothes soaking. Uh, or sometimes the clothes kind of soak it all up and you have to um, uh, wring them out and that can take a while. It took like 30 minutes for me to just do that because I had my towels and clothes and socks and undies and, and, and everything sort of like soaking that way. So it took some time to sort of wring out. Um, but the five out of five green thumbs up, I give Meliora their products. I will be continuing uh, to buy more of their products and I'll be using them in conjunction with my drops as some of my new laundry uh, products. And I want to expand to buying a bit more of their uh, home products as well. So Meliora, their products can be found online at uh, the following stores, such as their site, MelioraMeansBetter.com. That's M-E-L-I-O-R-A, means better. Amazon.com, EarthHero.com, GreenLifeTradingCo.com, Grove.co, HiveBrands.co, MightyNest.com, TinyShopGrocer.com, and also ZephyroWaste.com. That's Z-E-F-I-R-O waste.com and in stores at different locations across the U.S. On the website they have listings if you check under their about section and then the, uh, click where to buy you'll find all the information about where you can shop and store for Meliora products. Meliora can be found on the following social media platforms of Facebook on the page Meliora Cleaning Products. They're also on Instagram at Meliora Cleaning Products. They're on LinkedIn at Meliora Cleaning Products. They're on Pinterest as well at Meliora K. They're on Twitter at Meliora Cleaning. And they're on YouTube, of which I recently subscribed, uh, at Meliora Cleaning Products. 
To contact Meliora, be sure to send them some mail to their mailing address or uh, a few different ways you can contact them as well. You can contact them at their address at uh, 2010 Fulton Street, Suite F236, Chicago, Illinois, zip code 60612, or via their chat feature on the website or by calling 312. 312- Six seven eight five two five seven. I hope that this episode was really fun, engaging, and there's a lot, um, you know, to have learned from this episode. I know I learned uh, many things and had fun doing it, and hope you did too. Thank you so much for listening, and hope that you can share this podcast episode. You know, maybe you live in a sunny area. Maybe you know a few things about palm trees. Maybe you don't. Maybe you are interested in the palm oil scorecard or the many different foods and even body and care products where palm oil is plentiful. And so, you know, you came for those good tips and a bit of facts, but now you know a bit more of where to avoid palm oil. Or maybe you're interested in sustainable palm oil um, and, you know, getting to limit um, the places where palm oil may be harvested illegally, maybe like, no, no more palm oil for me. And you're convinced and you're um, persuaded to do so. Or, you know, maybe if, for example, you need palm oil, um, and you want to do it sustainably in a way that doesn't harm people, the planet or animals, um, then, you know, there are resources covered in the podcast, uh, episode about that, which is, you know, all great. So there are many different reasons to um, check out the information to, and to learn a bit more. And I thank you for any reason um, for um, wanting to, you know, learn more um, in depth, um, just like, you know, we covered um, about this episode. So, you know, thank you again for checking it out and for listening and for sharing the podcast episodes um, I do love the feedback and I do love when people share, um, all the listeners, all the amazing listeners out there, all of you, you know, share the amazingness of, you know, the podcast episodes. And I thank you, um, big thanks to my big, um, one paid supporter I have. Um, I do hope in the future to have many more, um, that would, you know, have me essentially almost do this full time. Um, cause that's what I really love and it, it breaks my heart to, um, not be able to spend as much time as I want, like I used to do, um, you know, doing episodes, you know, twice a week and having more and more episodes churned out and, you know, um, giveaways and having more of those done, which those will continue to happen. I'm having definitely bonus giveaways and regularly scheduled giveaways, even if they are retroactive. Um, but I just wanted to let you all know that. So, Uh, In any regard, thank you as always and be sure, of course, to please take care of yourselves and to also please take care of the planet. Be well. Bye.